Sunday morning, but um, we are in the second week of the series Into the Unknown. And so um, uh, last week, just to recap really, really quickly, um, we talked about Mary and how she went into uh, her faith journey, going the direction where God had led her to go. Um, with all kinds of unknowns, all kinds of uncertainties, um, but how she chose to believe not what she may have uh, thought about herself, uh, but she chose to find her identity and who God said she was. And we said, this is, this is just crucial. If you can't do anything else, you've got to listen and hear what your Heavenly Father has to say about you personally. Because everything else, everything else is just not true. And so we, we, we wrapped up last week saying when we, when we see as God sees, then we can do as God says. Sometimes we, we, we see what God wants us to do. Maybe we read it in the Bible or, or we, we you know, have a sense of something that we feel like, oh, I ought to do this. God wants me to do this. But it's like, I don't even know how to begin that. That's intimidating. That's too much. You know, whatever our reasons might be. But that is because we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us first. We need to find our identity and him. And so this morning, um, we're going to go into talking, uh, moving from talking about our identity to talking about our future. And so, um, not future like, like sci-fi movie. Sorry, Eli, we're not going to be talking about Godzilla 3033 this morning. Um, but uh, your future, uh, what your, your future, your personal future looks like. And so, what will your world look like? coming down the road. And, and I want to ask the question, what comes to your mind, what comes to your mind when you think about your future? Is it, is it something that, that, that puts hope, anticipation in your heart? Um, does thinking about your future possibly cause some anxiety? Uh, do you just not, you're one of those people like, I don't think about the future. Like, I just don't. Like, I, I can't control it. I'm not going to think about it. That's too much work. I'm just going to live in the moment, be here and now, and, and go from there. But I want to ask you a second question. When you think about your future, who do you trust with your future? Now, I know we're all in church, so everyone in their head's like, oh, yes, of course, I'm going to trust God with my future. Good job. Gold stars all around for everyone because we know we're supposed to say, God, but who do you actually really trust with your future? And I want to bring us back to the thought that we, we shared in the last series, taking it personal, that trust is always demonstrated through our actions. What we truly trust is demonstrated through the things that we actually do. And, and just a really quick example of this that you guys have all helped me with. I appreciate you guys helping me with this this morning. But all of you are, are, are exercising faith and trust right now in the folding chairs holding your butts off the ground, right? Like if you looked at that thing and it looked a little squirrely or maybe it looked like it was rusted and about to fall apart, you may have chose not to sit in that chair. But right now you're all demonstrating trust with your actions, with you sat in your chair. And this is the way I want us to think about how we trust and who we trust our future to. Where do we actually put our actions that demonstrate that trust? So when we, you know, when we said, okay, here's the Sunday school answer, I'm supposed to trust God with my future, like we all, we all know that, right? But then am I doing things in my life that demonstrate that trust? 
And we don't usually think of it in these terms, but every decision that we make in life, we're placing the weight of our futures on those decisions. Just like we decided to put our butts in these folding chairs this morning. Every decision that we make, especially the, 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 the big ones, the, the more important ones, but even some of the small ones, even the decisions we make, whether or not we're going to make time in our schedules to spend time with God, whether we, we make time and prioritize uh, being a part of a discovery group and getting with other people reading the Bible. Those small decisions, they all add up and they are like placing the weight of our future on those decisions. And sometimes we just go through life, right? Just just reacting, right? We're not thinking about the future. We're just trying to get through today. You know, you, you get up and, and you wake up later or, or whatever's going on in, in a work day. We're just trying to get through. And, and sometimes we carefully consider our actions, right? Sometimes we have, we know it's a big decision. And so we, we're thinking about it. We're thinking about the future. But again, who do we trust with those decisions? So when I ask us, you know, I ask myself to look at the decisions that I make and the actions that I take, who's actually calling the shots? Who's the one that's saying, this is what I'm going to do? And for most of us, if we're honest, we say, well, of course I am. I'm the one choosing my future. I'm the one making decisions. I'm the one who decides where I'm going to be in five, ten years. And so I just want want you to rewind, if you can, with me for a moment in, in your own personal story. Go back five years. Go back, say, ten years. Does your current reality match the plan you laid out for yourself five, ten years ago? Maybe it does. Maybe parts of it do. Other parts don't. Maybe it's turned out better than you thought. Maybe it's turned out worse than you thought. But here's the reality. We all know there's absolutely no way to predict the future. Right? Like, like... When someone tells you that, that they're a fortune teller, right? Like, or you see something on a movie, like a psychic, like we all meet that with skepticism because we know there's no way to predict the future. And this is the problem when it comes to thinking about our future, right? No matter how much we plan, no matter how much we prepare, we ultimately know that the future is an unknown. And our natural reaction to things that are unknown is typically fear, anxiety, stress, because of the things that are placed well out of our control. And our natural reaction to things we are not familiar with is a little bit of fear, right? A little bit of, I mean, for example, every one of you that are here this morning at Real Life in Your Church are here because someone that you did know invited you or someone that you did know was going to be here you know, people don't just roll up to church. I mean, sometimes they do, but it's very rare for someone to just show up to a, a church service with no connections to anybody and just walks in and is expecting good things because we don't like going places where everything is new, where we're not going to have a clue of what to expect. And generally we hate and we fear having unknowns in our lives. Now, while there is no way to remove the unknown from your future, But what if there was a way to remove the fear from your future? We can't, there's no way I can tell you, hey, do this, and and you'll be able to predict what happens to you down the road. Take these three steps, and you'll live happily ever after. But what if I told you there was a way that you and I can live that will remove the fear that comes with walking into the unknown? And so we're going to look again this morning at, at this familiar Christmas story from a different perspective, from a different angle this morning. 
and we're going to look at the life of Joseph, who's, who's engaged to be married uh, to Mary, and he's experiencing a very unknown, very troubling, very, very uh, fearful future. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18, and it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to look real, real just pause for a moment on the, on the way that, the, that Matthew phrases this. It says, Mary was found to be pregnant. This tells me that, that, you know, what we talked about last week, you know, the angel visiting Mary and this, this whole thing. Like, when it says she's found to be pregnant, I don't think that, that Mary looped Joseph into to the story of, hey, this angel showed up to me and all this stuff. Because, I mean, how do you even, like, have that conversation? We talked about how difficult that would be. And, and being engaged in Jesus' day and in Jesus' culture was absolutely 100% just as serious as being married, having the knot tied in our culture. And so for Mary to become pregnant, especially not by Joseph, before the formal marriage ceremony was a really, really serious thing. As a matter of fact, it was so serious that, that if, you, if you look at, at the Old Testament Jewish law, this was something that the harshest end of, of, of the penalty could be Mary needs to be stoned to death, okay? Like, like that's how hard it could be. So this was a really, really big deal. And so we read on here in verse, um, verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, which we're already referring to her as, as her husband, even though they're not formally married yet, that kind of tells you how different engagement was for them. It says, because he was faithful to the law, in other words, he didn't want to just ignore what the law had to say about this was a big deal and, and something had to happen. He says, but yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, I mean, here's, here's the, 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 the deal, right? Joseph, who's, who's this upright, stand-up guy, you know, obeying the law, wanting to do things the right way, you know, it, 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 comes, it comes to his attention. I don't know, probably maybe because Mary was beginning to show. I don't know how that all exactly went down. But he realizes that, that the girl he thought was devoted just to him doesn't appear like it's that way. And so he's like, well, I don't want this to go badly, you know, for her. I'm not going to be vindictive about this, but I can't go forward with it. And Joseph had the plan for his life, right? Just like you and I, we make plans for our lives and things for Joseph were not going according to his plan. And so he's figuring out just like the rest of us do in life. When things don't, don't happen in life the way that we expect them to, when life throws us curveballs, when things happen that we did not see coming, he's doing what we do. He's figuring out how to just get along as best he can. And he's considering what he can do under the law. And he decides, you know, he doesn't want this to be a situation where it gets even worse for Mary. He's got, you know, he's obviously a very compassionate guy. He doesn't want to see her stoned to death. That's for sure. And so he's following the options and the guidelines of the Jewish law that allow him to cut things off as quietly as he can. He's like, I'm just going to turn the page, move on with my life, and, and I'm, I'm not worried about, you know, figuring out what happened. I, I'm not going to, to, to be vindictive about this. I'm just going to move on. And so he can't continue with this marriage. And so as far as Joseph can tell at this point, he's been betrayed 
And just think for a moment, from, from his perspective, right here, this moment in time, think about the, the, the hurt he's feeling, you know, the, the betrayal, the pain he's feeling. And this isn't specifically written out in, in the Bible, but let's just assume for a moment that Joseph had prayed about his relationship with Mary before they got engaged. I think that's a safe assumption, right? The Bible's telling us he's a guy that's faithful to the law and he doesn't want to, to expose Mary to public disgrace. So I think it's safe to say that this guy prayed about getting married before he pulled the trigger, right? And so think about this. You know, it says he was, he was, he was doing all these things, trying to be, be, be right. He's doing his best to live in the way that God wants him to. And so... Joseph prayed, and I'll bet he felt like God told him, yeah, you're supposed to, you're supposed to marry this girl. This is, this is your girl. This is the one. And now, you know, you, rewind, you, you, you fast forward a few months in the story. Joseph's prayed about this decision. He's carefully weighed out, just like you and I do with big decisions. And it looks like this has gone all horribly wrong. And so in Joseph's mind... He's got to be thinking either, number one, I suck at hearing what God has to say because I did what I thought God wanted me to do and this is what's happened. Or number two, the only other option is that somehow, for some reason, God led me into this crisis. Now, you and I, we don't really think about that very often because that just kind of, I don't know about you, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that God might lead me into trouble, that God might lead me into a difficult situation because the God I want to believe in always leads me to sunshine and rainbows and, and greener pastures. And, 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 it, and let's be honest, like we don't always necessarily say this out loud and the Bible certainly doesn't say it anywhere, but in our minds there is this thought and expectation that the more I do to live my life in alignment with God, the more blessed I'll be the way that I think I should be blessed. Like, if I do what God tells me to do, then all my relationships will never have drama. If I do all the things God tells me to do, well, then I'll be financially secure. If I do all the things that God tells me to do, then, then things are going to turn out well for me. And there's an element of truth in that, right? Like, we know that ultimately, that's what's going to happen. But that's not what the Bible says. His world has been turned upside down, and I'm sure the Bible doesn't give us insight to how he was praying during the season of his life, but I'm sure his prayers with God sounded something like, where are you at right now, God? Why, why is this happening to me? God, what have I done to deserve that? I've been faithful to the law. I've been trying to, to be exactly who your, 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 your scripture says I should be. And, and this is what, what you've done. I prayed about this, God. You told me. You told me, marry this girl. And now she's pregnant and I know it's not mine. And, and what's my future going to look like now? Like this is a huge, huge embarrassment, huge scandal. And I'm sure for Joseph there was some fear. I'm sure there was some anxiety. I'm sure there was a lot of self-doubt. How in the world did I miss this? If How could I have gotten Mary's character so wrong? And if I got it so wrong for her, how in the world could I trust my instincts in the future? And you've, you've felt that before, right? Like all of us, we've felt that before. And those moments were like, man, what in the world did I get myself into? And how did I get this so wrong? And I'm sure for Joseph, it felt like that God had abandoned him. I'm sure it felt like God had let him down. And in this moment, 
God speaks to him, as we read on in verse 20. But after he had considered this, meaning how, what am I going to do with this train wreck of a relationship I've got myself into, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. What God is asking Joseph to do in this moment makes absolutely no sense, right? Like, I know we have the benefit of knowing like this is the Christmas story and it all turns out the way that, that, that we read about in the Bible. But in Joseph, Joseph's moment right here, this is, what are you talking about, God? Go ahead and marry her. And I'm, something about the Holy Spirit, I'm not really sure if I even heard that part right. Like, again, it says it appeared to him in a dream. I mean, think about the weird dreams you've had in your lifetime. And when you get up in the morning, do you ever get up and you're like, this is exactly what happened in the dream. Like, it's all fuzzy and, and, and hard to remember, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's easy to dismiss a dream, right? And so what God's asking Joseph to do has, has just no common sense to it at all. But God is asking Joseph to trust him. God is asking Joseph to take a risk, and God is asking Joseph to step into the unknown. And we read his response in verse 21. So when, uh, verse 24, excuse me. When Joseph woke up, he did, he took action. He put his trust into action. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Joseph had no idea of how this was all going to play out. The future was still an unknown, but he knew that he could trust obeying God and that God would lead him to a place that he did not need to fear. Because Joseph understood this truth. And if you don't, you know, if, if you've dozed off, if you're thinking about lunch right now, come back to me just for a moment and, 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 and pay attention to this. You and I, we may not know what our future holds, right? That's an unknowable. But we do have the opportunity to know who holds our future. You may not understand. You may not know what is going to come up next in life. But you know and you have the opportunity to know the one who controls and holds the future. And so I want to, I want to just share a, a story of how this has, has played out, just one example of how this has played out in our life. This, this story is a little bit long, so, so bear, bear with me. But um, when, when Tilly and I uh, felt like God telling us we needed to start this church, Real Life in Your Church, okay? Uh, many of you know, uh, at, the, at the time, I was, I was working full-time at, at Hub City Vineyard as, a, as an assistant pastor. So that was my job, right? It wasn't just what I, what I did in, in ministry. That was what paid the bills. And so it was, it, was a, it was a risky thing, right? Like, okay, I'm going to step away from secure job into something unknown. And so as, um, as, as we're doing that, just to step out in faith, you know, the first thing I have to do is, is figure out what am I going to do that's going to pay the bills, right? Because when you start a church from scratch, you don't start off like, you know, paying yourself, a, a, you don't start off hiring people, right? And, and so um, 
I had uh, looked around for, for something and I thought, you know, um, that, that I had had it all, all, all figured out. You know, there was, there was a, a, a guy I'd met that, that did low volt camera installation work. I knew how to do that kind of work. And to talk with him, he's like, yeah, this would be great. I'm looking to expand. And so I'm like, great, that's done. Whew, big check mark. Thank you, Jesus, for providing wisdom and direction and all the things. And so you, you fast forward about six, seven months, and, and uh, this guy's great, but he doesn't have enough work. <laughs> To, to, you know, keep me busy, which means I'm not making any money to keep, you know, the, the, the groceries and the, and the heat and all that stuff. So now I'm like, okay, I've got to find something else because plan A hasn't worked out. And so I'm basically looking at classifieds and, and I come across one that uh, I feel like God's telling me, you should, you should apply for that. And I'm like, God, I, I've never done that before. And so I'm looking at these classifieds, and there's, there's one to be an insurance salesman for Aflac. Okay, yeah, the duck, the Aflac thing. And, and so, so one, this, these are a few things I know about me. I have never, ever once in my life had a sales job. And at the, at the, the jobs I've had in my lifetime, you know, like working in retail or whatever, like, and they always want you to, like, you know, upsell stuff. Or, or I've never been that guy. Like, I, I know what I'm good and not good at. And one of the things I'm not good at is being a salesman. Like, I, I'm just not, not part of my skill set. And so I'm like, God, this makes no sense. But, okay, I'll, I'll do it. So I apply and, uh, you know, get an get a interview thing. And they're like, okay, yep, yeah, you seem like you could do this. That's great. You need to... Um, take this class and pass all these things to get, get certified to, to do insurance work in the state of Maryland. And so like there's an expense involved with, with doing this class. I'm like, all right, well, God told me. So I, so I do the class, get, you know, go through all the hoops. And, um, and so I, I get, get the certificate. And so Affleck's setting me up with a guy who's supposed to be like my direct report, my kind of coach and, 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 and mentor, so to speak. And so the guy happens to call me while I'm still doing some, some low-volt camera work for, for the first guy, right? I just happened to pick up the phone, and he's like, hey, I want to set up, have time for you to meet. And I'm like, okay, great. He's like, well, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing right now? I was like, well, right now at the moment, and, and, and I got to just share this detail. If, if I had taken that phone call while I was sitting at home, and he asked me what I was doing for work before, I might have said something completely different. I was doing some substitute teaching. I was doing some door dashing. I was doing a lot of things. Anything that could bring some, some, some income flow in, I was doing those things. But he called me at the moment I happened to be doing some camera work. And I was like, well, right now at the moment, I'm doing this, this camera work for a guy who's great, but he can't keep me busy enough. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. So he sets the appointment time. I go and meet with the guy. He gives me the eye flash spiel. And then he's like, but hey, if you don't mind hanging around a second longer, I'd like you to meet my, my friend who I subleased this office from who owns a security camera company. And he's like, you said on the phone, this is what you were doing. And so um, to, to just try to brief in this already long story, uh, I ended up getting hired by this company. The guy, uh, the owner of the company, at some point after doing some, some trial work with him, says, hey, yeah, we will bring you on uh, salary full-time. The, the salary they want to give me is exactly what our family needs. Like, it's, we're, we're you know, we're, Tilly's crying, you know, I, I don't cry much, but I'm getting in a little, little wet moisties. And so we're like, oh, thank you, God. Like, we're literally dancing around, like, rejoicing in God's provision. This has all worked out. And we're like, this is, this is it. This is God. So we're like, great, you know, God is so good, and, and this is all going to work out, and this is going to be perfect. And so uh, you go forward about six weeks, 
and uh, I'm not getting paid. <laughs> this guy's not taking my phone calls. I can't get a hold of him. I don't know what is going on. And, and we're like, what, what in the world did you get sent to, God? And so eventually, I finally get a hold of, of, of the boss guy and have a meeting with him. He's like, hey, you know, he's like, we're in a financial crisis as a company. We like literally cannot afford to pay you, can't afford to keep you on. I'm thinking, what? This has been six weeks. What made you think you were in a place? To... Anyway, I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, happy, of, of course. And so he's like, but listen, I've got a friend who can keep you busy. We do want to bring you back. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, sure. We're done for life. Like, this is, this is over. And so, so I, I start working for his friend who works out of Baltimore. So now I'm like leaving Hagerstown every morning to go to Baltimore to go to God knows where, Northern Virginia, wherever the work's at, and I'm not getting paid as much. Like, it's, it's a train wreck. And, and through all this time, we, we just moved our family up in, into this area because that was part of what we felt like we needed to do to start the church. And so it's, it's, it's a mess, right? It is a total mess, you know? Um, some of you may be much better at your finances than I am, but we were not ready to go three weeks without pay and just like, you know, tap into, into some kind of emergency fund. We, but anyway, I digress. So I, I'm furious with this guy, right? Like I'm, I'm done. And so I'm, I'm doing, doing this work in Baltimore, but this is just like, just to keep us afloat until I find the real, real thing that's next. And so as I, as I'm talking with my wife about this, and what we're going to do next, and we obviously we're stressed about it, and there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of unknown. As we're talking about this, surprisingly, and, and, and for those of you that, that know my wife better than others, this is very surprising. She says to me, she's like, listen, she's like, I just feel like there's still something there with this Matt guy. Don't write him off. And I'm like, what? Like, normally you, I, normally I'm the one telling you, like, slow down, we don't need to, like go scorched, scorched earth on this thing yet. Like normally she's the one who will get hotter about something faster than me. Like I've definitely got a temper, but mine's got a really long fuse, big explosion. My wife has big explosion on the front end and then really, really like calm afterwards. Like we're opposite in that way. And I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe this. And so I'm like, all right, fine. I'll pray about this. And so I'm praying about this and, and I feel, I'm feeling the exact same thing when I hear my talk with God. Now in the middle of this, like I haven't heard any more from, from, from Matt, and so I have no idea if this is even going to be a situation that comes up, but wouldn't you know that, that after about a month or so, I get a call from him. He's like, hey, we're ready to bring you back, and I can just tell you with 100% honesty, if it wasn't for God speaking through my wife and God speaking to me that this was something we needed to pay attention to and not dismiss, I would not have been in a meeting I would have had. I was like, yes, we will meet long enough for you to pay me what you owe me what you didn't pay me, and then, then we're done. Like, we're out. I cannot trust my family's, uh, you know, well-being and, and support to you. And so, just to, just to summarize it all, okay, I end up going back. They, they, you know, obviously take care of all the back pay, paid the difference of what I was making less while I was working for the guy in Baltimore, and... Fast forward to today, it's still, you know, the guy's still an organizational hot mess. And I say that to his face, you know, so, so I'm not telling, telling you anything I wouldn't tell him. And there's still definitely bumps in the road. But let me tell you this. Right now, I work for, for this, this company who pays me a salary. And at the beginning of last year, um, he told me that I needed to have more time off to work for church. 
And so I have every Friday off to work for church, and I work a half-day Monday, work half-day remote. And he pays me the same as what he would any other time. And let me tell you, as we're into, as we're about, how far into the church plan are we, babe? Eight months? Something like that. Less than the, as far in as we are, there's no way that I would be able to do the things that God is asking us to do as it relates to real life in your church with a different job. Like, like the time, the time that we have available is, is perfect. And the situation and the flexibility of this job and, and the support that I get from, from Matt when it comes to things for church and family, you, you could not find that anywhere else. I say all that to say this. There will be things that God prompts and asks you to do. There will be things you read about in the Bible when you read it that you'll be like, that's a, that's a big ask, God. Like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can forgive. I don't know if I, you know, whatever it is. And there will be times that if you follow where God is leading you, there will be times he will lead you into crisis. And in that moment, you will want to say, what the F, God, and move on with your life. But if you will trust God through that, you will come on the other side with something that is priceless, something that no one can take from you, something that will sustain you in the darkest seasons of your life. Because now, this is a, yet another story that I have, that, that Tilly has, that our family has, of God's faithfulness. And what makes the story cool and what makes the story emotional for me and what makes it powerful for me is the way that it it unfolded in a way that no way I could have predicted it, no way I could have planned it out, no way I could have written this future. But God can be trusted with your future. And just like Joseph, God was leading us to go in a direction that didn't make sense and it didn't feel great. But now, on the other side of it, we have a story. And so what I want to challenge you this morning is, wherever God is leading you, or maybe you're in the middle of, 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 of some form of crisis or tough time or anxiety or stress right now, I want to remind you of what God said to Joseph. After he had considered this, Or to put it personally for you, after you've been considering whatever it is that's stressing you out, whatever it is that has to do with your future, whatever your crisis is, God is saying to you this morning, like he said to Joseph, do not be afraid. And we say, well, God, I've got really good reason to be afraid. Like, I've got to have it. I've got to have the money by this date. I've got to, you know, I don't know how I can fix this relationship thing. I don't know what's going to happen next. God, I've got reason to fear. And God would say, do not be afraid. Not because you know what's going to happen. Not because you have certainty. But because you can certainly trust your heavenly father. And think about it this way. I came across this this quote this, this week. Faith and fear both demand that you believe in something you cannot see. So why don't you choose? And if you think about that, that's true, right? When you have fear and anxiety about the future, about unknowns, you're still being forced to believe in something you cannot see. 
So every time we're in that moment of, of, of dealing with the unknown, every time we're in that moment of dealing with future, we can choose. We can choose fear. We can choose faith because they both are requiring that we believe something that we cannot, cannot see. And God wants us to trust him completely. And that will sometimes mean making decisions that we do not fully understand. Now, if the idea of trusting God completely scares you, if the idea of complete surrender to your Heavenly Father makes you anxious, you owe it to yourself to figure out where that's coming from. Because we talk about in church, the unconditional love of our God. We talk about our perfect Heavenly Father, and then we live in a way like He can't be trusted. I mean, I, I, I know I do. There are times when, when I look back, I'm like, oh, wow, I, I definitely did not trust God with that. And I get up on a platform every week and tell people how much they can trust God and how much they should. And there are still times that I live in a way that I don't trust God. And God is looking for you and looking for me to trust him. And if, if God is the God that John describes in 1 John 4, then we've got absolutely nothing to fear. We'll read this scripture to you. John 4, verse 15 to 18. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know... And we rely on the love God has for us. When you're in the middle of an unknown, rely on the fact that you know that God loves you. Rely on the fact that he is not just the cosmic creator of all things, but that the Bible describes him as your heavenly father who loves you perfectly. Let's read on. It says not that God is loving. It says that God is love. God is love. Every wonderful and good thing that comes out of acts of love, that is what God looks like. That is who he is. It says whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Now, I, most certainly, my wife, my children will attest to you, I do not have perfect love. My love is spotty. My love comes and goes. I am not consistent on the way that I demonstrate and express love. However, that's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about me. Don't put your hope and trust in me. Put your hope and trust in your Heavenly Father whose love is perfect. Because again, you may not know what your future holds, but you can know who holds your future. As we wrap up this morning, Jesus said it this way, John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. It's very appropriate at Christmas time, right? Jesus is leaving you and I with a gift. And what is that gift? It says peace of mind 
and heart. What is it that's taken from you when you are worried and fearful about the unknowns in your life, when you are stressed about your future? Isn't it this very thing right here? Peace of mind and heart. Peace of mind when you're stressed about how, how you're going to make something happen financially. Peace of, uh, uh, in your heart about what's going to happen in a relationship or, or, or some kind of place where there's, there's, there's tension in your life. Jesus said he is leaving us with a gift that is exactly what we need in the unknown. Peace of mind and heart. And he says the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. God wants to give you guys something that you cannot find anywhere else. And it's the gift of peace in mind and heart. But the, 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 the catch is, the only way to get that is to fully embrace and rely on the love of our Heavenly Father. And so, um, I'm going to ask uh, Craig to just put on a little bit of music. And I want to I wrap up today by giving us an opportunity to step out in faith and receive, receive prayer. Uh, prayer for your future. Prayer for your, your family's future. And so... Um, I've asked uh, Mike and, and, and Tilly, um, and, uh, and Amy, why don't you come up here as well? Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. I asked them to come forward, and um, this morning, as I, was, as, as, as I was preparing this week, this morning I believe that God wants to speak to some of you guys about your future. I believe that... that um, that God absolutely has, has a plan for your life that's more amazing than you can dream of, but it all begins with listening for his voice. And so this morning, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm asking everyone, if you just wouldn't mind just hearing me, just let, let's stand, take a posture of prayer. And if you want to hear from God about something as it relates to your future, if you want to hear from God about something that, that's, that's causing stress and anxiety in your life, I want to, to, to tell you this morning, there's an opportunity here for you to take a step towards God. And God will absolutely, he promises it in the Bible, will take a step towards you. And so, if you want prayer this morning for anything that's causing fear, that's causing anxiety, that's causing stress, I want you to just move out of your seat, come up to one of these awesome people up here who, you know, there's nothing special about any of us that, that we have some magical prayer training that, that, that will do it. But there is something about gathering with one other person. There's something about inviting someone else to join you in prayer where, where your faith is multiplied. And so this morning, if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you, come and receive prayer. Just right now, slip out of your seat. I cannot tell you what God wants to do in your life. But He can. And the only way to discover that is by listening for His voice. You know, I believe that, that, that some of you need to get off the fence and, and, and find a way to, to, to begin a discovery group and to begin sharing Scripture with other people and begin seeing what God wants to do through you in a personal way. So come and get prayer this morning. Hear His voice.